Chapter 37, The Tenth Window. Heather filed out with all the others, everyone finding their way back to their jobs, families, pains, and pleasures. She walked with Pickett and Uncle Wilfred out into the sunlit air of the, gr of the village green. The song had gone on for a while, lamenting verses offset by the hopeful refrain, it will not be so in the mended wood. She thought of all the times she had heard rabbits in this community counter a despairing word with this phrase. She had thought it was only a word of encouragement. She hadn't realized they were singing to each other a song of hope. She knew she loved this community, that they had become her own. Not taking the long treader controversy into account, she knew this was a place her parents would have loved. Her father, who was a scholar, would have found a wonderful home among the books and the other scholars who remained. She wished they would have come or could have come. She knew now why they had no place to go, either within the citadels or Cloud Mountain. She understood now why they had gone so far away. She was saddened by the weight of this reality. What joys she could have grown up with were it not for their family name. Her parents and baby Jacks would be safe were it not for that title, Long Treader. Uncle Wilfred, she said, was Uncle Garton a bad rabbit? Uncle Wilfred sighed. I don't know, he said. Sometimes I think we're all bad when we focus on our own place. Is that what he did? I think so, Uncle Wilfred said. He began to think less about the grand cause and more about his place in it. He thought less of how he worked to serve King Jupiter and more about what he accomplished. It's heavy, Pickett said. I hate the weight of it. Me too, Uncle Wilfred said. Don't stop hating it. It's a useful fuel for hard work. How long, Heather asked. How long until it's different? Uncle Wilfred sighed and smiled. I ask myself that question every day. I don't know the answer. Why won't King Jupiter's heir come out of hiding? Peter asked. Why won't he show up and show the green ember and get himself crowned and start the war? Did King Jupiter even give the green ember to his heir? Pickett asked. He did have time. Did he have time before he died? Yes, Pickett, Uncle Wilfred said. He did. So why not fight now, Heather asked, though it terrified her to think of it. It seemed, as Mrs. Weaver had said, the best terrible option. I wish it were that simple, Uncle Wilfred said. But you have had a chance this week to get a glimpse of how fractured our side is. Citadel lords aren't united on whether or not they would even support the heir, though they all say they would. But many talk of creating a new protectorate, where a strong lord leads our side until the heir is ready. Others say we should unite behind Jupiter's oldest son, Winslow. But most of us believe he's as good as a traitor himself, since he's accepted a token governorship of what's left of the Great Wood under Morvan's rule, a petty king paying tribute 
to keep up appearances. Isn't it better to do something than nothing, Heather asked. Won't the enemy act if we don't? Very wisely said, Heather, Uncle Wilfred said. That is why the lords are here. Everyone knows we need to do something soon before the enemy acts. They sat quietly for a while. Then Pickett and Uncle Wilfred got into a discussion on Randogum's history of war. Heather looked down into the village and saw a white rabbit making his way toward the near side of the village green. Smalls. He looked troubled, his head down. What's wrong with Smalls, she asked. I don't know, Uncle Wilfred said, his face full of concern. He hasn't been very talkative lately. Pickett buried his head. He had never given Smalls anything but trouble. Seeing the small white rabbit still filled, still filled him with resentment and embarrassment. I'll go and talk to him, Heather said. Good, Uncle Wilfred said. He needs friends these days, as do we all. This made Pickett even more comfortable, even more uncomfortable. He felt ashamed. Smalls deserved better. Heather joined Smalls as he returned to Hallway Round. She sensed his heavy mood, so for a little while neither of them spoke. Just before he passed through the door, Smalls stopped. He looked at Heather, then over her shoulder to where Uncle Wilfred stood talking with Pickett. Heather followed his gaze and saw Uncle Wilfred place his fist over his heart and nod his head. Smalls nodded, put his fist over his own heart, and then turned and kept walking. He spoke, he spoke as they entered the doorway. Heather, I'm going away for a while. Where, she said, surprised. I'm going to try to find my mother. I've heard a rumor about where I can find her. I think she's in danger. I didn't know your mother was still alive, Heather said. Where is she? She's in a place called Exile Glen, he said, whispering so that no others would hear. They had reached the long corridor that stretched from hallway round and its three doorways down to King Whitson's garden. But you're not going alone, are you? She, she asked. Surely Uncle Wilfred is going with you. I won't be alone the whole time, he said, but Wilfred is staying here. I hope you know what you're doing, she said. Me too, he said. And doubt was plain in his face, but he mastered it and a resolute expression replaced it. Please say goodbye for me, he said, to Wilfred, Pickett, their other friends. Wilfred may be angry that I've gone, but tell him my mother needs me, and I'll come back with all those who are with her, if I can. I will, she said, tears starting in her eyes. They were in King Whitson's garden now. He stopped. I have a last errand before I leave. So goodbye, Heather Longfellow. 
I hope we meet again in happier days. She hugged him. Thank you, Smalls. Thank you for saving us at Nicolo and for being our friend. She remembered a blessing her mother used to say. Farewell, wherever you go off to. May you find friends aplenty and our foes find few. He nodded and smiled and then turned up the path, making his way toward the door into Lighthall. Heather nodded. Goodbye. But when he reached the door, she remembered Kyle. She wanted to warn him not to take her <clears throat> not to take her too seriously when she said that she trusted him. She felt a sudden urge to beg him to stay, so she ran after him, holding open the door. Heather hurried through the hallway, heard talking, but was in no mood to eavesdrop this time. She ran into Light Hall, sliding to a stop as Master Luth and Smalls embraced. They saw her, but kept on talking. So, Master Luth, Smalls said, I'm leaving. I wanted to thank you for what you've done and what you will do. It's my honor, Luth Glazier replied. You have done well, and Father would be very pleased with your art, Smalls said. Thank you, Luth Glazer answered. I love your work, and I'm eager to see what you do next, Smalls said. All my time is spent on the vision of the tenth window, said Luth. There was a pause, and then Smalls spoke. Mine, too. Heather was confused. She looked from the two rabbits to all the window images, all the stories of the fallen king. Then she saw Master Luth's workstation where glass and instruments lay on benches. A massive cloth was piled in its corner, and the tenth window, partially finished, was uncovered. Her eyes fell on the massive center circle, a half-completed vision of the mended wood. In the topmost panel above the half-done middle image, she saw the picture of a very familiar-looking white rabbit. He was short but glorious, wearing a crown wreathed in flames, a bright emerald in its center. When Heather looked down, Master Luke was there, alone. Where's Smalls? she asked. Master Luke turned. He's gone, Miss Longtreader. Chapter 38 Breach Heather didn't know what to do, so she stayed in Light Hall a little while. Master Luth wouldn't say where Smalls had gone and advised her strongly against following him. She knelt on the floor and watched as he carefully inlaid a small pane of colored glass, sealed it in place, then began to work on the next. Slowly, the middle image of the mended wood began to take shape. As she watched, her fears about her family, about the whole wounded world, ebbed. Master Luth's touch was tender. His eye was keen and his work was splendid. As awful as the ninth window was, with its terrifying rendering of the burning of the great wood 
and the horrors of the afterterrors. The tenth was picturing a great reversal. She was seeing the other side of the tragedy, the world that lived for now only in the hopeful hearts of those who, though not seeing, saw. She gazed and was glad, and the topmost picture pleased her most. There stood King Jupiter Smalls, the green ember blazing on his crown of wreathed flames. He looked noble, strong, and glad. He looked like himself, she realized. It was an image of what he would be when his day came. She longed for that day. She had been wrong when she assumed Finbar Smalls was his father. His father was King Jupiter. Finally, she left Light Hall, finding a bench in King's garden. She sat and thought about her journey, everything she could remember that Smalls had said or Uncle Wilfred had said about Smalls. She shook her head. Everything made sense now, or almost everything. Then a seed of worry sprouted in her mind. She needed to find Uncle Wilfred and tell him that Smalls was gone. She rose and walked quickly through the corridor, into the hallway around, and outside onto the village green. She found Uncle Wilfred and Pickett going through some exercises together with wooden swords, both laughing. Hello, my dear, Uncle Wilfred said, just blocking a sneaky stab from Pickett. Then he saw her face, and he mentioned for Pickett to wait. What is it, Heather? I know, she said. I know everything. He nodded. Pickett was pleased. He had been encouraged by the assembly, heartened to carry on his work. He wanted to keep believing no matter what Master Helmer said. He enjoyed practicing swords with Uncle Wilfred, the few chances he got. He was getting better and he liked that his uncle saw it. Uncle Wilfred was a lot quicker with praise than Helmer and slower to anger and scorn. Pickett had just jabbed at Uncle Wilfred and almost made contact. He saw Heather out of the corner of his eye, but kept up the attack. He hoped he could score a point while she was watching. But Uncle Wilfred signaled a stop and Heather said, I know, I know everything. Uncle Wilfred nodded. You know what, Pickett said. Before Heather could answer, screams of terror filled the air. Pickett looked past Heather and saw rabbits running, grabbing children and fleeing for the village. Scattered soldiers made for hallway round. Uncle Wilfred tossed aside his wooden sword and refastened his belt and scabbard. Pickett did the same, his nervous fingers failing to secure the belt several times before finally fastening on his sword. Now the fleeing rabbits were running past them toward the village. Wolves, they were screaming, wolves inside. Uncle Wilfred spoke fast. I want you both to go to the caves past the village. Hide out there. I'm coming with you, Pickett said. You can't, Pickett, not yet. Now, Heather, where's Smalls? He left, went to help his mother to a place he called Exile Glen, she said. With? I don't know, she said. 
fear and confusion filling her. He said he wasn't going alone. Okay, stay in the caves, he said. If I make it back, I will find you there. But I'm sure you understand that I have to find Smalls. What's going on, Pickett shouted. Stay with your sister, Uncle Wilford yelled. Do your duty. I'm trusting you. Kyle, Heather shouted. He might be going with Kyle. Uncle Wilfred stopped and spun around. Did he say that? No, but I think it's likely. Uncle Wilfred looked furious. Who could have told him that he could trust that rogue, he said. Then he tore off toward the danger, drawing his sword. Heather gasped and put her hand to her mouth. I don't understand, Heather, Pickett asked. What is going on? Pickett, she said, panicked. I think I may have helped betray Jupiter's heir. What? I'll explain as soon as I can, she shouted. And she ran toward the danger, toward hallway round and the wolves inside the mountain. We have to get to Small's quarters. There may be something important there. We can't let it fall into the wrong hands. They ran, dodging rabbits in flight, and made it to the door. It was open, and screams poured out of it like water from a spout. They heard the fierce, horrifying growls of wolves, sound of snapping jaws and scraping steel and stone. They hesitated a moment in front of the door. Pickett, his sword bared, looked at Heather. Is it worth it? he shouted above the terrifying din. It might mean everything, she called back. He nodded, then leapt into the doorway. Heather followed, trying to think faster than the fear that threatened to overwhelm her. Hallway round was a nightmare of confusion. Soldiers stood by the blast powder kegs, ready to destroy the stairway, blocking the entrance. But rabbits were everywhere. Wolves attacked in fury all over. One wolf snapped at a knot of rabbit soldiers, who fought back hard. Pickett could see they were overmatched. Across the round, two farmers and two soldiers were desperately resisting the advance of a hulking charcoal wolf armed with a shield and a long, many-spiked javelin. His stabs were deaf. Dead and wounded rabbits lined the floor. Uncle Wilfred had already made it through. Heather tried to focus, ignoring the fear. It was a long way to Small's quarters. It won't get any better, Pickett said. We have to go. He shouted, running for the corridor. Passing by an intense fight, he joined several soldiers as they pushed back a snapping, furious wolf. There was a sharp horn blast, and the wolves all perked up. They howled, growled, and made a furious advance, one coming inches from catching Pickett's head in its jaws. Then they all fell back quickly, heading for the way out. The stunned rabbit soldiers slumped, breathed heavily, then cautiously chased after the wolves. Many of the soldiers were from different citadels, and they fought hard and bravely side by side. Pickett and Heather followed a vanguard of the bravest who charged after the retreating wolves. They reached King's Garden, tried not to notice the destruction and violence that had occurred there moments before, 
and ran down the great stone stairs, taking them by fours and barely staying upright. They reached the bottom and shot off through the stone corridors, colliding with terrified rabbits, bloody wounded rabbits, jumpy sword-swinging rabbits with looks of terror on their faces. After a few winding turns, they made it to the hallway where Small's room was. As they got closer, they saw that the door was open. Pickett ran ahead, his sword at the ready. He didn't stop when he reached the door. He dodged inside with a cry. A startled rabbit cried out in surprise, spun around, and dropped the wooden box he had been holding. Kyle, Heather shouted. The room had been ransacked, and he was alone. What are you doing? Heather, he said, nervously shrugging. I was looking for something to keep it safe during the attack. Heather crossed the room and picked up the box Kyle had dropped. You liar, she shouted. She opened the box, but found only papers inside. What did you do? She pleaded with him. Kyle, where is he? I did wrong, Heather, he said, shivering and shaking, rubbing his hands together. I made a deal, and he's gone. He's finished. I'm sorry. Heather screamed. Pickett bounced back and forth on the balls of his feet. He was confused, but he had decided to back Heather up, whatever came. Where is he now, Kyle? She said, her voice strained. Where is Jupiter Smalls? son of the betrayed and murdered king, keeper of the green ember and rightful heir to the throne. She was screaming at him. Pickett was stunned. Jupiter Smalls? Jupiter Smalls? Kyle slumped before Heather's withering stare and sat in a crumpled mess in the corner. He is betrayed, he said, by me. Where, she shouted, where is the green ember? Where is Smalls? He must have it. I advised him to leave it here. I had hoped I could get it after he was gone so it wouldn't go to Morbin. Morbin, Heather asked. You betrayed him to Morbin Blackhawk? She was furious and she slapped him. Pickett came behind her, his sword poised. Yes, Kyle said with her, indirectly. I regret it now, but I had orders from my father. Talk, Kyle, she said, and make it quick, please, if there's anything of good left in you. I will, Heather. I never meant to hurt you. I always thought of you as a true friend. In fact, I had hoped that you would understand my reasons. I don't care about you or your reasons, Heather shouted. I just need to know what happened. Okay, okay, Kyle said. I've been sneaking out at night meeting secretly with the captain of the wolf garrison down at Decker's Landing. I made a deal with them. They aren't enough to overwhelm this place, so I devised a plan to get Smalls away and to get this place distracted by a wolf raid while I made off with the green ember. Well, what about Smalls? Heather asked. He's headed for a bigger trap. Where? Heather asked, seething. Kyle hung his head. Where? she screamed in his face. Jupiter's Crossing, he said. At Jupiter's Crossing. Read the next chapter, read the next chapter, read the next chapter.